Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 8th. We are here live. It's a free-for-all today. I do have some new technology into the mix today, so I'm hoping that you're hearing me right now. Everything looks good on my end. Uh, Waiting for a report back to see how the stream is sounding. Hopefully everything's good. If not, I've got the old technology sitting right next to it. Uh, We have a whole new board set up here. But the old one uh, is sitting right next to it just in case. But uh, just got a report back from Aaron. Sounds like everything is working. So that's good news. All right. So we are here live. We're going to open the phone lines and that will be the next test. Do we, uh, did I get the phone lines right? When I change out technology here, there's an awful lot of things we have to test. So we will see. That should be the last piece. If we can, uh, if we get a phone call and we can actually hear the caller, I think we'll be all set. So jump in and join us. Anything goes today. It is a free for all. I have a topic I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know that I'll spend a lot of time on it. Depends on whether or not you pick up the phone and join us. 855-950-3835. We'll get to those calls here pretty quickly, so line them up. All right, so, you know, I knew this was coming, and I'm seeing a lot more of this You know, social media now, I spend most of my time on our two sites, Healthy Tribe and Trucking Tribe. Uh, I don't post anywhere else on social media. We do some company posting uh, a little bit on Facebook and Instagram, I think. But I do use social media to kind of follow the pulse of what's going on. It's really useful for that. just about everybody anymore posts what's going on. So I still follow uh, a lot of the Facebook groups that I've always followed, broker groups, owner-operator groups, driver groups. And it just gives me an idea of really what's going on in the street. And we knew this was coming about the rates. The rates are Actually, right now, rates are on their way up a little bit. That's a seasonal thing. We kind of expected it. And it's happening. It's a good sign but we're we're in for tough times. There's no doubt about it. So here are the kind of articles or, or posts. This is the talk that I'm seeing on social media. I'm seeing an awful lot of it. This one, actually, I'm going to read this one because he did a pretty good job of writing it. So, uh, but it, it really shows a complete lack of how business really works. A lot of people have gotten into business in the last decade. We've had a really strong economy for the last decade or so. During the Trump years, we had some really good years. 16 to 20, the economy was booming, and now it's not. And I've been saying this the whole time, that this this downturn when it happens is going to be different for a lot of reasons, a lot of the numbers are different this time, but it, it also will be affected by how many people are now in business or self-employed. So with the gig economy, that changed everything. The owner-operator world has exploded with owner-operators, lots of owner-operators getting their authority in the last several years and becoming carriers. 
that's changed the landscape of, of what's going to happen in this downturn. It's really interesting to sit back and watch. Um, you know, I kind of, I was getting a little nostalgic and I was thinking about when I first got into business and was getting out of high school. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because we keep making comparisons to what's happening right now. And we keep saying this hasn't happened in 40 years. Well, 40 years ago, I was getting out of high school. And it's correct. We have not seen conditions like this since then. And that was a bad time. You know, I I graduated in 1981. Um, I opened my gym in 1982, or did I actually open it at the end of 81? May have been. Um, And then decided I was going in the Army anyway in 1982. The 80s, it was a rough economy. I mean, it was a long, slow climb out of... um, what happened in the Carter years in the late seventies. And we had stagflation, which was awful high prices and no work. That was the problem there. We actually had a slow economy and inflation right now we have inflation and we still have a pretty hot economy. We really do. People are still spending money. Employers are still trying to find people, but at the same time, we have some big employers laying people off. It's a, it's a mixed bag right now. I think it's going to turn farther south here pretty quickly. And I think we're in for several years of a, kind of a strange economy. Uh, it's really hard to say how long. But here's the, here's the, um, the post that got me thinking about this. And I'm just going to read this. So, quote, if you, oh, and this is a, in a freight brokers network group. So I'm assuming this is coming from a freight broker. And it, it kind of sounds like it is. Here, back to the post. Quote, if you haven't noticed, the big guys are attempting and winning right now at put, oh no, he's an owner operator, at putting us owner operators out of business. Well, I guess I didn't notice that. And the reason I didn't notice it is because it's not happening. There are no big carriers out there sitting around saying, guys, we got to figure out how to put these damn owner operators out of business. Nobody does that because you couldn't if you wanted to. The big carriers have no control over whether owner operators will exist or not. The big carriers don't control anything other than their own company. That's it. And they can't get together and do this. That's collusion. I've been at all the industry meetings. None of that stuff goes on. It just doesn't. They don't care. They realize there will always be owner-operators in the market. My whole career, I've heard this. Owner-operators are going to disappear. Even somebody who I respected tremendously in trucking and probably knows more about trucking and the business side of it than just about anybody. Todd Amon from ATBS, the CEO and founder. Todd said it one year. I remember and I talked to him, Todd, what do you, do you really think owner operators are going to disappear? And a year or so later, he said, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. He said, they're not going anywhere. They're growing. So let's just stop right there. Because if you think that our problem right now is that big carriers are trying to put you out of business, you're screwed. 
It's absolutely not true. And if they wanted to, they couldn't. I'm going to go back to the quote. I'm going to read it again from the start. If you haven't noticed, the big guys are attempting and winning right now at putting us owner-operators out of business. Rates are at an all-time low. Fuel is at an all-time high. Repairs are at an all-time high. Inflation is at an all-time high. Not enough mechanics to fix trucks two to three weeks downtime. All those things are almost true. Rates are not at an all-time low. Not even close. They're low. There's no doubt. The rest of it, pretty much true. Fuel is at an all-time high. Repairs, inflation, not enough mechanics. Big carriers did that somehow. Big carriers actually went out and said, hey, we're going to lower the rates so the owner-operators go out of business. And then they said, we're going to make fuel prices higher and we're going to make repair. Big carriers had nothing to do with this. But if that's your approach as an owner-operator, you're kind of screwed. You're chasing the wrong problem. Now, let's go back to the quote. Quote, at one point, the small guys controlled the market. One to three trucks fleets own 78% of the market, share of the load spot rates. Um, I've seen that statistic all over the board. That's pretty close. I wouldn't argue with that statement. But what changed? At one point, the small guys controlled the market. They still do. They always have. Does this person really think that small carriers and owner-operators aren't moving the same percentage of freight as they were last year? They are. Nothing changed. So if you think because we move the majority of the freight, and we do, really, really small carriers move the majority of the freight. But his, his point, they controlled the market. No, they don't. Nobody controls the market. That's the point of a free market. Nobody can dominate or control a free market. Back to the quote, the big carrier lived or died off of contracted freight. How long do we continue to operate for less than our worth? At this rate, the market will never rebound because we've reset the market to the rates of the 1980s. Bullshit. Go back to 1980 and look at the rates. In the late 80s, 1988, 89, 90, I was pulling freight for 73 cents a mile at RPS. That was a fairly common rate if you were leased to a carrier. The spot market rates were nowhere near what they are today in the 1980s. Now, he may be confused with the rates in the 70s, They were much higher, but that was a regulated market. Deregulation happened in 80, 81. The 80s were horrible for rates because of deregulation. The market was flooded with trucks and rates tanked. So if you're going to quote historically, you should probably get it correct. All right, so here's the... End of the quote. Freight Brokers Network Group, we need you and others with the big platforms to help unite the trucking community. Really? What does that mean? Unite the trucking community. First off, everybody in the trucking community does not have the same goals. We are independent businesses. What is this 
thing about uniting everybody all the time. If you want to unite, go join a union. That's what they do. If you want to run an independent business, run an independent business and stop whining when things are bad. Learn how to run a business in a bad economy. That's the point of being in business. It's competitive. It should be competitive. It's not kumbaya time, stand around the fire holding hands and singing songs so we can make it all better for all of us. It doesn't work that way. Now, he goes on to say, I honestly don't care who the leader of the rebellion is as long as something is done. Well, why don't you get your lazy ass out there and do it then? If you know what's wrong and you know how to fix it, why aren't you fixing it? Why are you on social media complaining and telling somebody else they have to do? I don't care who does it, but somebody better do it. I mean, that's the attitude here. And then do what exactly? Unite the industry. Uh, Unite the trucking community. What the hell does that mean? I'd love for this person to explain, but every time I reach out to people like this, they won't respond when you really start to question them. All right, so goes on to say, quote, you have guys and gals out here running freight for free and they don't know it. No, they're not. That's another completely false statement. Nobody's running freight for free. Earlier, he said something about his worth. Well, what are you worth? You determine your worth to the market by the value you provide. You don't have some inherent worth in business. We have worth as a human being. In business, the only worth you have is the worth you prove, the value you bring to the market. So stop this crap about I'm worth more. Obviously, you're not. If you're worth more in business, you'll get paid more. That's how it works. That's the beauty of a free market. You get paid exactly equal to the value you bring to the market at the time. Here's the point that some people can't get over. No matter how good you are, if the market's flooded with other people, you'll struggle. That's the supply and demand curve. But if you're that good, you'll figure out how to survive. But you don't have some inherent worth in business. Doesn't work that way. Uh, If a shipper or broker is getting a lane covered for free, why would they not wait an extra hour before raising rates knowing it will be covered? Nobody's getting any freight moved for free. Brokers are struggling just as much in this market as everybody else. I knew this was coming. It always does. I think we're going to see a lot more of it this time because there are an awful lot of people in business today that really just don't understand business. I mean, the supply and demand issue. I know we beat it to death because you got to understand that's how business works. We have the best example right now. What have we been talking about for three years? Shortages, shortages, shortages. There's no supply of anything. In my entire lifetime, I've never heard about so many shortages. I've never had to deal with so many shortages. Things hard to get or impossible to get. And at the same time, we're dealing with the highest prices ever in inflation. Put the two together. That's supply and demand. 
There's not enough supply of anything. There's still a huge demand because people are still flush with cash for the most part. That's changing, but there's still an awful lot of cash out there. There's an awful lot of people still doing really well. They have money. They want to spend it. But when there are shortages of everything, prices go through the roof. There are shortage of employees, meaning every service business has to raise its prices. They have to pay employees more. The big carriers right now have no advantage in this market. They have a huge disadvantage because they're dealing with the same inflation an owner-operator is, but then they have to deal with the inflationary pressure of what drivers are getting paid now. We had to raise the driver wages, and you really can't take that back. So the big carriers have some real struggles ahead of them. Owner-operators have real struggles ahead of them. But if you're going to beat the struggles, you have to understand what they are. And this post got it completely wrong. Most people will. Most people will look outside themselves and find some other reason why they're failing. They will not look at their own business and their own numbers and say, this is my responsibility. I have to fix it. It's not the market. It's not the big carriers, not the brokers. It's not the government. All of those things exist. They all matter. That's reality. Now you have to deal with it and you have to figure out how to succeed. You'll never succeed by blaming it on everybody else. And we don't need to unite the industry. I've been hearing that forever, and I don't even understand what it means. All right, let's go find out what you want to talk about. Let's go to South Carolina to get started. Terrence, welcome to the program. How's it doing, Kevin? Good. I got a good question uh, about my, uh, I got the Phoenix 6. I just got the update for the HRV. Okay. And now it's on, you know, when I first started to use it, it said I needed to attach the device. Now it's not saying that because I guess it just has the sensor in it. Right. It it tells me I need to have it off for like three weeks before it starts giving me any kind of... Wow, it said three weeks. I thought it was. Correct? I thought it was like seven days, but maybe not. Maybe it's taking longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not just because of the my sensor that they maybe just you know what I mean to upgrade on it. Because I'm not. I don't know if this is the same. So obviously it's not the same software as the watch you got, but it, it finally came up. But like I said, my it's give me an average now. So far, it's like forty-seven. Okay. I don't know it, but is that what is it? But is that good or bad? Or? So here's the thing about all of our biometric readings. I mean, we could say here's a good range, here's a bad range. But what's really more important to focus on is here is where you are and how do we improve that? You know, it w- just to give you an idea, you are almost right where I am. When I started getting back into the protocol a couple of weeks ago, I was actually in the high 30s, low 40s. Now I'm actually in the high 40s, low 50s. So it doesn't, but I I also mentioned that, you know, when I was working with a company and Ben Greenfield was working with the same company, and this was a couple of years ago when HRV was, we were first able to read it. We had to use chest straps back then. And, you know, my number back then was in the 40s or 50s. Ben Greenfield was in the hundreds. You know, do I want to compare myself to him? He's been a triathlete for decades. He's, you know, 15 years younger than I am. No point in comparing that. 
So the, the best way to look at this is what's my number and how do I make it better? Yeah, see, because I, I haven't been, I'm not being honest, I stopped doing my X-ray bar uh, just for no reason. I don't know why, I just, I was doing a lot of yard work, like landscaping, so I was out there, you know, moving around a lot, and I'm 58, so, you know, it takes a soul on your ass, you know, throwing <laughs> yeah. around on the ground, and yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm being honest, like, you know, I, it, it took a lot out of me, so I didn't feel, you know, I was looking at my body battery, I'm like, man, should I really go and work this, work out, and so I stopped. I have been doing anything. No, 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 my high, no, uh, no, yeah. no, 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 and, and mine did. I, I had worked on it, had gotten it up into the 50s. Then, you know, I went on the road. I did that trip. I stopped doing all this stuff. And I was back down into the high 30s before I knew it. And I felt it. I mean, there is a difference. I, you know, I, I, I can remember I used to say, boy, I can go out in the garden and work 10, 12 hours. I have tons of energy. When my HRV got down into the 30s, that was not the case. A couple hours out there and I was toast. I just did not have the energy to go on. Right, yeah. See, my, my stress levels have been really low. Like, I forget my, my that, seven that, day average is like. like so, let me ask I you this. Like, your, your stress levels are low. Are you able to maintain your body battery between 50 and 100 all the time? No, no. So here's what that so, tells no, me. Definitely not. Yeah. So if you've been listening to me, what I've been saying is we can never solve this problem by avoiding stress. So for whatever reason, your your life right now is not all that stressful. You've got low stress readings. But even though you have low stress readings, you're not able to maintain your body battery. Like I said, you can't. Right, we, okay. we can't. We can't build our stress muscle by avoiding stress. It'd be like trying to run a marathon by avoiding running. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't we make have. Sense. So we can. It's good that we can get to a lower stress level. But if we get there and yet our body battery still depletes, we don't have the energy we want. What that's telling us, we just don't really have much of a stress muscle. Even in low stress situations, we can't get our body battery back up. And I'm in that same boat. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, my problem too is sleep. I've always been, I'm like, you know, I'm good with like four, four and a half hours. But lately, like this, this weekend, I, I got out of my motorcycle with shorts on, stupid. I slipped, I slipped on a gravel and, and burned the side of my leg. Oh, ouch. I mean, I got a nice. Ouch. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, so, I, like, the last few nights, I'm getting maybe three hours, if that, you know? Oh, yeah. You go to roll over and you hit it. Yep. You know, and, I, and I try, I don't want to keep bandage, you're better off not, better off letting the air get at it. But that was my other question. Is there any, like, other than aloe, is there anything that you know, like a natural thing for, for a burn, to put, to put on a burn like that? Uh, no. The, you know, there are. Aloe's probably your best bet. I'm trying to think if there's anything natural that has some pain-relieving properties, but 
Uh, not a lot. He just kind of <laughs> suffer through this. I mean, I could get stuff from uh, my, my fiance is a nurse. I could, you know, get something like that. But I just wonder if there's anything, you know, like. Natural suit. I know Al is about the only thing I can think of. Aloe is about it, yeah. There may be something else out there I'm not familiar with, but I, I don't know what it would be. I think everything that's actually going to relieve pain is probably going to be mostly chemicals. Right, right, okay. All right, so once I get my uh, thing, my... Uh, HRP level going on my watch. I'll let you know what's going on. But I see. I, like I said I, I just got to get back to doing. You know, get back to. I, I, and I, I, and trust me, I stopped doing. I stopped. I have a tough time getting stuff for the yogurt. I can't get. I can't get good clean dairy. So I haven't uh, been doing the yogurt yogurt. I, I know. Been doing the, uh, the, it's, yeah. So. You, you know, here's the best but thing again, about I don't, this. I don't We're, feel bad. Right. We're all doing this. We're just like eating. I mean, we all got on it. We saw the results. We fall off the wagon. We see what happens. It convinces us to stay on the wagon. The same thing's going to happen here. That's why I want to get feedback. You're going to be able to track this. You do all the right stuff. Your numbers get better. You feel better. Everything gets better. You stop doing it. You'll backslide and you'll go, man, I better not stop doing this anymore. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. All right, I'll let someone else get in. Thanks for the info. All right, thanks for the Thank call. You. Good to hear from you. Let's go to Nebraska. Grant, welcome to the program. Hello, good morning. I have a few comments and a couple of questions. Um, there are like eight months worth of stuff. I mainly listen to replays, so I don't have a chance to call in. Uh, going back a ways, there was a gentleman that was concerned about you gardening barefoot and no gloves. <laughs> uh, yeah, to him, I remember. He probably, he probably gardens with chemicals and whatnot. Uh, good and point. And at that point, yeah. it, probably, it probably would not be good to be barefoot and no gloves. That's a good point. Due to all the, yeah. all the nice chemicals to kill everything. Yeah, I, uh, no, no but, chemicals come anywhere near my garden, so I'm not afraid of... You know, everything I feed oh, my no. plants, I could drink myself. So I'm not afraid of being out there with skin oh, yeah. exposed. And, and yeah, That's you, the whole point. That, so, yeah. Yeah. You've, you've said that multiple times. So you just must not have paid attention. Um, no, you know, here's, I know it's summertime uh, and you're outside. It's, it's been a while, but I, if I remember right, I think he was actually alluding to the fact that there's stuff in the soil that's bad for us. Maybe. I mean, I mean I, that could go back to people that are just dumping chemicals all guess, the time yeah. to kill everything. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at the soil around old dry cleaners and stuff like that, I don't, I don't think you really want to <laughs> garden where a dry cleaner was. Yeah. No, there's no doubt that when we garden that, that tra- I don't want to call it traditional, but because that, that's wrong, it's not. The way I'm gardening is really the traditional. I modern, way. the modern. Modern, way. there you go. That modern industrial chemical gardening or farming, we kill everything in the soil. This method is the opposite. We're bringing everything back to life. I had a, an interesting little uh event this morning i have plants growing in the grow house again we got like 300 plants in there for my fall garden growing and i went in to check on them this morning and this is pretty unusual but it's a really good sign one of my cups sprouted a whole little mushroom farm 
Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good sign. That's a, you've got living things yeah. going on in the soil. It's good, healthy, biologically healthy soil. And, you know, I'm out there yesterday spraying compost tea all over everything. And I got to tell you, compost tea does not smell pleasant. Um, we took a bunch of worm poop, <laughs> no. and we added some food to it, and we let it bubble in the hot sun for a couple days. Um, you could drink this stuff. It wouldn't hurt you, but it's it's a little on the nasty side. But we're it's not really nasty. It, it's This is living things. Yeah. This is why I, I, the comparison between my garden today and my garden the first year, unbelievable. The, the amount of food that is coming out of the same space, probably not exaggerating, for at least four times more. Nice. That'll, that'll last you all winter. It, it's, it's, I, I don't even know. I, the food bank is going to be very, very happy this year because I'm going to process everything I can. <laughs> and I'm going to give a bunch away because it's, I, I just have that much. It's just overwhelming almost. But it's amazing. I walk out there every morning and just look at that bounty and think, this is just incredible how much food you can create. But I'll tell you, if you go back to that traditional Here's your, you know, 15, 15, 20 fertilizer, the chemical. The, the, the plants just don't produce anywhere near as much. And you're constantly fighting diseases and bugs. And I, I look at my tomatoes and most people, you know, fight. Tomatoes can be really touchy. There's all kinds of bugs that like tomatoes. There are diseases that like tomatoes. I have none of that. And I'm not using anything to stop it. I have zero bugs on my tomatoes. I don't have any leaf diseases on them. They're just healthy plants. And the other day, imagine a tomato plant that's about three feet tall and only about yeah. two feet around or so. Not a really big bushy plant. I trim them way down and keep them pretty small. That plant, I counted 81 tomatoes on it. Holy cow. It's, that's insane. I have jalapenos where I, yeah, I, I've... That's, the, that's uh, a lot of salsa and marinara. I, well, and, and I've got jalapenos right behind it. I've got a jalapeno plant that has like 40 jalapenos on it. I've never seen anything like that. Now, I'm, I'm going to come to your house with some grain-free trips and have <laughs> a nice right. uh, salsa party. That's right. Well, I, I, I uh, fermented a bunch of salsa this past weekend, which is my favorite. You know, it's... Let's see, it's, we're about four or five days old right now. Or did I do it on Monday? Yeah, it, I like about 10 days on my salsa. And then it is my favorite salsa I, I ever. I haven't tried that yet, but I'm hoping to get there. It's really good. Now, this one, I did put uh, a pretty good batch of my habaneros in there. So this batch of salsa is just screaming uh, it's have hot. Some heat. Oh, it's got some heat. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. it'll, it'll bring tears to your well, eyes. Well, um... There you go. Uh, when summer's over and you need something to do in the wintertime with your video games, I have a video game suggestion. You haven't talked about that in a while. Ah, good. Uh, what is it? There's a game called there's there's a game called Portal. It's there's Portal and Portal Two. Okay. Um, the premise is it's kind of a mix between Tomb Raider, Terminator, and I'm going to say the modern healthcare system. Um, <laughs> okay. So you you wake up you wake up out of this like coma thing in this room, and there's some voice that just talks. It's like the 
like an intercom system that's just talking to you through this whole facility. Okay. When it turns out like the computer's self-aware and you do, they're testing humans to see if they can figure out puzzles. Got it's it. a puzzle game. Okay. And you get this portal gun where one button makes an orange portal and another button makes a blue portal and you can pass between them. And you have to use those portals and physics to beat levels and get to the end. And you, there's a companion cube that's just this little cube that has a heart on it that you have to carry around so that you you have a companion to travel with you. It's, I, it's real tongue-in-cheek humor. No, I like this. I, this one sounds interesting. And, and I'm looking for another game like this because I've conquered um, the last one. Um, the last one was... Gotcha plague something gotcha. it, it was and, yeah, a, i haven't i haven't played it in a few years but the the portal 2 had an online community where people do custom maps and then you could play with a friend i don't know if there's still any online support or not it's a few years old you know how technology goes yeah no that's i i like the way those kind of games make me think yeah because this one like you have to fall through the floor and come out the ceiling several times and then as you're falling you have to shoot the wall so that when you fall through the floor you shoot out of the wall to launch over another wall you're like what in the world oh, yeah yeah but it, it it forces you to think differently that that's what i like about these kind of Dr- games you have to you have to really really kind of stretch the way you think about problems yep and there, there might you might not be able to figure it out till you notice this one piece of wall is at a slight angle, and that's where you have to <laughs> right. fall in or out right. of in order to launch to the right. You're like, holy cow! I've been on this for two hours. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, like I said, the biggest shock to me is that it feels like when I'm in that situation, it's really stressful, and yet it's not. That's what's so bizarre to me about the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm, I try not to turn my computer because I play computers instead of like Xbox or PlayStation. I try not to turn it on because all of a sudden, six hours go by. <laughs> it's four in the morning. I got to be at work at seven, and I've accomplished nothing on I my to do list but waste time. Well, you know, it, look, clearly, if it's all you do, it could become a real problem. Um, if you manage it somewhat, I might spend a lot of time in the winter doing it. I spend no time in the summer. I mean, my it, it, it's been disconnected yeah. since I I took it on the trip with me. I played a little bit when I was on the trip, not much at all. And then at the end of the trip, I, I never even set it back up again. So, And I won't till the weather gets bad and there's way too much to do right now. But I, I don't really, if you kind of manage it, I don't really consider it a waste of time. And I've found several benefits to it. I love the way it makes me think. And now that I know it's a yep. real stress reliever, that it actually puts me in that super low stress zone, that's a pretty big uh, advantage. And it's way less stressful than reading the news or watching oh, TV and getting oh, all the political ads or exactly. all the whatever else. Oh, and talk about political ads. That's about all you're going to see for the next two months. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't even look forward to turning live TV on. I know. I'm just going to go back and watch what I already recorded there you several go. months ago. Like, well, I've seen this four times, but whatever. Um, then I have uh, a, 
an idea for your store or okay. a couple ideas. Uh, I bought, I bought some website subscriptions for some friends for their, like healthy tribe. Well, thank uh, you. But I feel like the website would help them. Um, you can lead a horse to water. I don't necessarily know if they're drinking the water, but I've led them there. You know, there's um, uh, Dale, maybe, How- Dale Howard, one of our, tri- actually, he's uh, part of our team here. He does all of our compliance stuff. I haven't heard from Dale in a long time. Dale used to say he kind of changed that saying a little bit. I thought it was hilarious. He would say you could lead a person to knowledge, but you can't make them think. Yeah, that that's true as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought maybe, I don't know how hard, I'm sure it was way more complicated than it sounds, but maybe like gift cards. No, it, it's, where it, it, I it's buy. yeah, it's probably not that complicated. We can probably do that and we probably should. That's a good idea. Just to make that way. Cause I had a, I had to get a phone number and an email of a friend and then right. call into Angie. <laughs> and so yeah. it's not, it's not the end of the world. These are like first world problems, but <laughs> you know, if you just streamline it a little bit. Sure. No, I love that. And then also, um, listening, I've been listening for a long time. Uh, if you pay attention enough, everybody has a saying that they repeat. So, like you say, what's your diet Right. or something drives you crazy. And this, I'm not, I'm not being offensive, not being mean, just it is what it is. Bruce asks, are you running the catalyst or what year is the truck? Um, Joel Morrow says you're hundred percent correct. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, 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 Mike Beckett says no vibrations. Don't even call me. So you need a sticker pack, little stickers that we could put on our toolboxes or wherever, just fun little stickers. So, just, you know, so if you, stuff that you could throw in with orders or somebody a, could order a sticker pack, five stickers for five, a dollar, whatever. I don't know how much stickers cost. So if you bought anything from our store and the reason I ask that is because Lisa, Lisa does an awesome job with stickers. She's been doing them forever and they're, it, she just ordered probably 10 new designs recently. I think I saw them come in. Um, but this is a good idea for her. I'm going to pass this along to her because it's another theme for stickers. You know, she does different kind of themes. Gotcha. This is an awesome theme. I love that. Things that we repeat yeah, over. I, I yeah, thought. I love that. Or, and like you, you said, back to the basics is a new thing now that you switch to your other ones. So that could be a sticker. Right. Just pointing out. Yeah. No, I like that. Hey, I like that idea so, a lot. Um, then I have a couple questions. I don't know if... I don't know the politics of it and whatnot, but what happened to Broker Connect? Um, my relationship with uh, truckstop.com was severed because of the whole serious, the Congress thing. Okay. Truckstop okay. dropped gotcha. me gotcha. like a, and, uh, yeah, I was, it, it, you know, I say I was surprised, but then I said I wasn't. And here's why. The relationship I started with truckstop.com happened because of Brent originally. So Brent and I go way, yeah. way back when Brent was at Overdrive. I mean, Brent was one of the first people that helped me get into the industry. I, I was doing seminars for them. I was writing articles. So I had had that relationship with Brent for a long time. And it was kind of the whole story was actually kind of funny. I was working with Dad at the time. We had a contract with Dad. And Dad's right here in Portland. That's kind of how I ended up with them. Um and I, I liked everybody over there, 
But boy, I was frustrated. I had had the contract for about a year. We had done nothing but have meetings. You know, they know I'm close. I'm about an hour away. So it was always, hey, why don't you stop over? We'll have a meeting. We'll go to lunch. I'd spend all day over there and we would talk about all kinds of great ideas. And then we'd leave and nothing would happen. And then a couple months later, they'd say, hey, why don't you come over and have lunch? And I'd be like, do you guys have amnesia? Did you forget we've done this four times already and nothing's happened? So I happened to be at a truck show. So you experienced... I I ran into Brent and Brent said, you're never going to believe where I am now and you and I have to talk. And I'm like, what? And he said, I'm at truckstop.com. And I said, Brent, just stop. He said, you know, we don't ever do competing products. I just signed a contract with... Dad, it was only like a month or two in and it was a year contract. I said, I, I can't talk to you about this at least until next year. I said, but I promise I, I will, we'll talk. And if it all makes sense, it's hard. To, and I'll tell you that call to dad, cause I had a lot of friends over there. That was a tough call. One of the hardest things I did. And I said, yeah. guys, I, I will tell you part of this is because we just got nothing done in a year. I feel like you paid me for a year and I did nothing for you. We don't have a single program that we're working on right now. I said, but even if we had, I would probably still do this just because this is such a strong relationship for me. So that's how it got started. But once he opened, what's Brent opened the door for me, my relationship and my contract was with the owner, the original owner and founder, Scott Mosgrip. And I knew everybody. I mean, I, I went, you know, we went to dinner with them. It was a really close relationship and a good one. But then they got bought and they got bought by a big tech group. Bill Gates was one of the investors. I mean, it was a huge sale. Oh, wow. So, yes. Yeah, and Scott did exactly what he deserved. He took the money and he retired to Florida. And so the company is not the same anymore. I mean, I know almost nobody there anymore. Uh, I don't have a relationship with anybody in upper management anymore. And when it happened, they dropped me. Now, you know, I was at the truck show and they were sending me messages, stop by the employees at truck stop. So I stopped over there. Still, I still talk to people. I still have friends. Um, Something may happen again. But I'm a little leery. You know, if they came back to me right now and said, you know, let's start over, I, I may not. I don't know. I mean, it, it, that, yeah. I don't like the fact that they just, I didn't even get a phone call. It was an email canceling huh. the contract. Oh, no. Yeah. Not nice. even a phone call. How, how personal. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? It, it's why, and I've said this before, we don't focus on our partner companies and we don't depend on them. It's not our business model. We could lose them all today and we would still keep doing everything we do. It would be no different. So it, it's a part of our business, but our focus is on the tribe, not the partners. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm a little sad and I might've missed the show. So it might be my fault. So you called and talked to Pittsburgh Power before you got there to work on your RV, and you talked about a smoker, and you were going to make stuff, and then I I never heard anything about it. I don't even know if you talked about it. Did you cook for Pittsburgh Power? I didn't. I really wanted there? to. No, I never got to it. I never got to it. The part, okay. of, um, part of what screwed that trip up was 
because I had gone back and forth. I had gone to Pittsburgh Power, then I had gone back to Ohio, then I had gone to Pittsburgh Power, then I had gone down to Kentucky for the show, and then I went back again. The last time I went back when I was going to do it is when I got sick. And then everything kind of fell apart after that. Yeah. So, because you talked about it, I know. Like, we got a card. Just go buy a smoker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was yeah. looking forward right. to hearing about the, the good menu. I know. Would have been fun. Didn't get to it, though. Well, I've got plenty more, but I suppose I should get back to work and I'll let you talk to some other people. There you go. I hope go. you have a good day. Talk to you later. Great, great ideas. Thanks for the recommendations. Let's go to Missouri. Jimmy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I just had a comment about, you know, I, what you read this morning. I got to thinking, you know, he talks about uniting truckers. Kevin, you can go to a truck stop. And you can see a new driver trying to park. They want to even be anybody get out to help him. I know. know? And I you're know. talking about uniting an industry. You're kidding. Me. Other day, I was the second or third in line. A guy was trying to park, and we're trying to get out. I was the second or third in line. Now, I'm the third guy back. I'm the one that gets out of my truck <laughs> and goes up and helps a guy. I mean, nobody. I, I mean, I know. I think. I mean, I, I think, and you're gonna. Unite? You are kidding me. It's never going to happen. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's never going to happen. And like no. I said, look, if if that's what you desire in life, some sort of collective bargaining, belonging to a group that, you know, negotiates these kinds of things, go join a union. That yeah. That's what they're for. That's the whole point. Speaking of which, by the way, I'm just going to get a little political here, not a lot. Um, the Senate race in Pennsylvania. What an interesting race. Dr. Oz um, and this John, oh, yeah. John Fetterman guy who, the first time I saw him, I thought, who's this thug? I, and he, and <laughs> he's running for Senate. And then I find out he's actually the current lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. I, this guy's never yeah. had a job. He's like a trust fund baby. Grew up in a in a rich families, never had a job. He was the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania. Go mm-hmm. look at the results. He just about destroyed that city. Oh, yeah. And now he's the lieutenant governor. I, I don't know who the hell voted for this guy. Now, he's also had a stroke yeah. just recently. I'd like to know whether he's yep. vaccinated or not. Based on his politics, I'm just about going to guarantee he's jabbed. And he had a stroke. Oh, I wonder if there's any connection there. Seem to be an awful lot of young people uh, having strokes yeah. these days. Um, and it, it affected him. It, it, you know, if you try to say something about it, people are like, oh, you can't make fun of him for having a stroke. I'm not making fun of him. I'm saying he's not qualified to be in the Senate. He can't speak I, hardly exactly. anymore. But here's, I don't want to go off on too yeah. much of a rant about this, but here's the statement he made yesterday that, kind of pisses me off. He made the statement, if you're anti-union, you're anti-American. Oh, oh, man, that made me a little insane. If you want to be in a union, be in one. I don't care. But don't you dare say I'm un-American because I I, I don't want to be in a union. What the hell does that have to do with being an American? 
I, in fact, it, I, would, I would almost and argue it's thing. the opposite. We have always been known as yeah. one of the most independent countries in the world. That's how we became so great, because we depended on people's individual responsibilities. It wasn't, be, we, we aren't American because we get together in a union. If you want to, fine, that doesn't make you un-American either. It has nothing to do with whether I'm a, an American or not, or whether I'm patriotic or not. <laughs> No, uh, uh-uh. it has nothing to do. You know, my, my, I'm a second, my daddy's first generation born here, um, Polish. And, um, I don't know if you know where Millfield is, the Millfield mine explosion, Ohio. Yes. Uh, granddaddy, he was first generation born here. He was in that mine, you know? And, uh, and that was years ago. Uh, obviously my daddy recently passed away. He was 90 something. So he was three. So we're talking about, you know, years and years right. ago. Right. But, um, but, but they, they came over here and, 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 uh, I mean, they were Americans and, uh, I mean, politically we may have seen things different, but, uh, well, of course but to say that you're not American because you don't agree with someone, you know, I'll tell you what, my youngest son, youngest son, if anybody doesn't agree politically, we don't, I mean, you, you can look at him one day, He's a very good-looking young man. He he can he can be in a suit, and you think he's going to Wall Street. He looks that good. Or the next day, he may be dressed in goth. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, you know that's. I mean, it really is. But when I see him, buddy, I better turn my head. He kiss me right on the mouth. He loves his family. We never that's have awesome. any arguments exactly. about that at all. That's but awesome. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. You better turn. And he don't care who sees. <laughs> he loves his family. Period. I mean, I said, whoa, Christian, just hold on a little bit. But, you know, yeah, but he really is. But, but, but we see things different, but so what? Exactly. Exactly. You know, Why? I, I wish we could matter. get back to that. And I hate to keep bashing on Biden, but I'm going to because I'm kind of tired of him telling me how bad I am. Because I, I maybe I supported I some political idea that he doesn't like. He he now thinks that it, and talks that I'm some sort of a bad person now. Yeah. It, we oh, have God. different hey, listen, political ideas. We've day. always had different political ideas. It doesn't make either party bad. No. Uh-uh. No. I, I listened to a little clip the other day of Dr. Ben Carson. And I know everybody knows a lot of, of his story, you know, but, but when you, do you know, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, his mother would not even take welfare. She worked, um, she worked two or three domestic jobs to take care of those kids. And she looked and she said, look at these homes there and what are they doing different than us? And you know what she said? One thing that she noticed was they're not watching a lot of TV. They're doing a lot of reading. That's why she started making them boys read. She made them read every day. You know, that, that's what started it. And, and, and the other thing about when we get to talking about these things, about this person's got that and this doesn't, you know, I, I, I'm sure you know who Patrick Ben David is. Yeah. Um, you, you know, all right, when I listened to where he, he had just gotten a job in New York, that he had started that week when the Twin Towers was hit. 
when the Twin Towers was hit. And he's selling, you know, investments and stuff. And he said, there wasn't anybody talk to me. I mean, my race was what oh, yeah. to that <laughs> that uh that tower. But he said, I found a way to work with some other people to make it work. He said, I didn't blame them for not wanting to talk to me, but I knew there was a way to make it work. And he took his free will and he made a decision. I'm going to make this work. And he did. He you know, at, he, here's you know, the interesting thing about stories like that, about Ben Carson, or, I mean, I could go, I, I love stories like this. I read the autobiographies. There are thousands of these amazing stories of people starting yeah. from nothing. It doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what sex they are. It doesn't matter who they sleep with. We have had, during my lifetime, we have had so many of these amazing success stories. And most other countries, and certainly socialistic countries, don't have these kind of stories. You don't see people create right. amazing lives like this out of those countries. We have lots of these stories from my generation. I'm afraid that we're not going to have those anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, think about Clarence Thomas. Exactly. About right. I mean, right. this guy's is the highest court in the land. Yeah, it, 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 we were and, truly, and it's a cliche, but we were truly the land of opportunity. We, we just are in everything, in business, in politics, in sports, in, in the movies, TV. I, there was just opportunity everywhere. And I, I hope we can figure yeah. out how to keep it that way. I do, too. I do, too. Well, I'm going to let you talk to someone else. I appreciate it. I've got, I, I will say this. I'm going to get my, um, on the health day. I want to try to get my daughter to call you, my youngest. She was one of those that came along late, late in life. You know, she wasn't expected, but she was welcome, you know. Yeah. And and, um, she just finished. um, She did two years of high school and two years of junior college. You could do that at the same time. Oh, nice. But she had something happen recently, like when she is uh, working, uh, she took off this year and working. And under certain situations, she'll be kind of a stress, stressful, and she'll get real dizzy. Now, um, mo- uh, let me give you a backdrop. Most of she was homeschooled, so she wasn't interacting right. with a lot of folks. She had so, friends, but a whole lot. And then when she did this junior college deal, she was she never was in high school. She went right to junior college, and and it did her last. Uh, to you, so she's made a lot of good friends, and she does stuff. But but she gets dizzy. Yeah, and, um, and I can tell you why. Certain stress. All right, I can tell you why. This this one's pretty straightforward. Um, first off, I can tell you why. I can tell you what's wrong. I can tell you how to fix it. But it does require her to change her diet. That's always the big hurdle. Will they do it? Because honestly, okay. I, I would I will make yeah. this statement. I've made it before. If you won't change your diet, you're talking to the wrong person if you're talking to me. Because if you don't do oh, that, yeah, I have yeah. nothing yeah. else for you. Nothing. Once you do that, yeah. I'll tell you what the, the next step is, and I'll outline it. She needs to change her diet. Sometimes that may solve the problem. Right. In this case, I don't think it's going to. I'll tell you what she has. And, and I'm going to start saying this more. This may be the first person I, I said this specifically. She has a very weak stress muscle. 
That's the best way to think about this. Oh. That's the best way. I, it's the oh, best man, analogy. No she has such oh, a weak boy. stress muscle that as soon as she is put in a stressful situation, she actually gets physically dizzy. That, that's how weak her stress muscle is. Wow. Kevin, you don't know how good you described her because when she was homeschooling, I mean, I mean, we, we did the thing that she was tied into this some great, real good academy out and watching or something, too. And she did good. But see, nothing but perfection was she couldn't just get uh, um, she had to have an A, but she had to know everything. Why this works this way? Why that works that way? Now, I understand you want to know why, but but you can't spend all your time. So, so you said something else here that that, uh, uh, that stop right there because when I hear that word, we got to stop and talk about that. Being a perfectionist yeah. is almost the opposite of what most people think it is. Now there are some exceptions to this. There are some people that are truly perfectionist and I feel bad for them. Their life must be really stressful. Most people who believe that they're really doing this because they're a perfectionist, what they're really doing is avoiding. They're avoiding. Okay. And and their their reason is, oh, well, I'm not going to finish that because it wasn't perfect. I, I, you know that that oh, yeah, I, I, this this has to be perfect for me to move to the next step. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Being a perfectionist is usually avoidance. And pe- they'll say yeah. the opposite. You tell a perfectionist this, they lose their mind. No, you don't understand me. I just want everything oh. right. No, you really don't. Because if you are honest with yourself, there is no such thing as perfection. You can't even define perfection. So if you can't define it, right, how right. would we ever achieve it? Yeah. Wow. Well, I, you know, I'm, I, what you have said, her mother's going to love this what you're saying because we've been dealing with this and um uh that is a great thing but i think you know she, i think she will change her diet because at one time she uh i, I got something from i listened to a, uh, an asthma doctor who he spent more time getting his patients off of asthma good and allergies good. Than he than he did that, and I tell you where I learned from. I, I told you about this many years ago, and you got the book by uh, what was her name? It's Informed Beauty, Informed Beauty by K uh, uh, Cat James or something like that. I can't even think of her name right now. But this was years ago, and you got the book. It was Informed Beauty, and she was the one who had um, she had a um, gotten um. Uh, the doctor gave her some diagnosis, but instead of doing it, she actually went and tried to learn a natural way because uh, it would the effects was 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 worse. Right, um, right. Taking the medication, and what was her? I can't think of her name. She has a thing called Informed Beauty, and and um, uh, she has a, a lot of uh, doctors, nutritionists, people on her show, and. And I related her so much to you because everything that she does in the organization that she's built, she did it from, she learned it. I mean, she used to do the makeup for, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, yeah, I know. You're uh, Cat, Martha Stewart. Cat James. 
Chat, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and when you look at her before and after pictures, I mean, I, I don't even know if she uses toothpaste, but, um, but, but the transformation in it with, and the reason I had even told you about her was because she was so much like you. She learned it. She said, you can read a research paper as well as anybody can. You don't have to be a doctor well, exactly. to really learn this stuff. And you can read books that were and, written by doctors. Oh, yeah. Have you ever talked to her or anything? I haven't, no. I just think it would be a great conversation. No, I haven't talked to her. Uh, y- y- y'all are just like two peas in a pod in that way. I mean, really. Um, and, and and she's made such a show. Well, listen, I, I know you got other people, but I am going to um, talk to Emory about calling. And I, I am I'd love to talk need to her. I'd love to help person. her. I, I need to, excuse me, I need to, um, to talk to... Um, 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 and when she's improved this, this last two years of, of quote perfectionism, she has gotten better about that. She still made straight. She made one beat, but yet she learned you don't have to, um, you, do it all. You know, there's Just exactly right. There's a fine line in here. There really is. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to be better all the time. We absolutely should. But when we keep setting this yeah. goal of perfection, at some point we cross a line and it becomes avoidance. And, and I'll give you one of the examples oh, that yeah. I deal with year. I, I deal with it all the time. I've been dealing with it the whole three decades I've been doing this. I'll get a call from a company driver. When I used to deal with people directly on the phone and I used to help people with things like this, I'd get the call. I've been a company driver for 15 years. And for the last three years, I've been working on my plan to be an owner operator. Well, the first clue, honestly, and I'm not saying people should rush, but I can't imagine how I could possibly work on the plan to be an owner operator for three years. There's just not that much to plan. So that's my first clue usually. Then, and you would think this was a good thing because I hammer people about numbers. Then they'll start pulling out all these spreadsheets. Look at all these spreadsheets I created. I track this and that and this and that. And and, and I'll say, all right, well, it's time to, you know, start putting the plan together now. You know, you've got all these numbers, you've got all these spreadsheets, you've been doing this. What is your next step? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm calling you. Well, okay, at some point, we have to pull the trigger here. And, and I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I know these people. I see them coming from a mile away. They'll never pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, when you talk about that, I'm going to share, tell you this real quick. I have a, my truck is a 2006 T600 with a Cat Acer. And the, when everything started getting really bad, um, prices, I've really slowed down. And I was averaging around five and a half. Now, listen, I hadn't done anything else to my truck. I did a rebuild, and I've got probably a little over half a million on the rebuild. Uh, and But I've slowed down. I go 59 and 60. Yeah. And done anything else. All right. Yesterday, seven point, I'm looking at it, 7.038. That's awesome. Now, I don't average that. That's I, awesome. I've been averaging uh, up upper sixes, you know. Right. But since I've done that only one time, one time, 
did I hit the fives only one time. Yep. And um, and that that's that. This was yesterday, and I was heavy. I wasn't um, uh, when I say heavy, you know, forty thousand, but still, uh, you know, normally what you would be. So it, it and I, I I looked at what is the money that has been saving me. It's huge. You know, it's been about yeah. thirteen to fifth. Thirteen to fifteen hundred a month. Now that's in my pocket. Kevin. That's right. I mean, I mean that's, that's ex- that goes that's a long way. Pocket. That goes but, a long way. Oh, it does. Yeah. Well, look, I'll, I, I'll get off, but I'm gonna. Um, I'll, I'll get. Uh, I'll talk to her about calling. Good. And Good. and I need to do that health protocol myself. I really do. There you go. I, I'm just having some issues, like there. like with. Uh, I think some light is affecting me as well. Yeah. All right. Let, I appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Let's head off to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your uh, mind today? Two days in a row here. I know. Um, well, two comments. Two comments. You uh, you know, you have my address, so all that extra salsa and vegetables <laughs> should be coming in the mail, I imagine, right? It's in the mail, I promise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Damn, and, I think um, that UPS driver stole real- it all. <laughs> uh, I have a real beef with you. Um, what do you mean I don't make extra driving at 379 Peterbilt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, um, listen, uh, what you said in the open. Um, I, I'm a third-generation truck driver. been in this business all my life. And how many times we can go back... Over the last 30, 40 years uh, since deregulation, has truckers been talking about striking and all this other <laughs> stuff, and nothing ever, nothing ever materializes. We need to band together. Yeah, okay, you go band together. I'll go make money for my family. That's just what it is. Right, and and let's let's look at this because you're right. This has been going on the, and you and I are so alike in so many ways. About the same age, same background. I'm third generation. Yep. Been in the industry my whole life. We we have a lot of similar things. Yep. Um, let's look at this honestly. Of all the attempts over these years, and since I've been on the air, I've talked about virtually every one of them that I've known about. I've said why I why they're not right. going to work, and they don't. And just recently, we had the best two attempts at this ever, I know. ever. Right. It's just incredible. I, I was shocked. I was praising them for how they did it, how they handled it. The Canadian drivers were incredible in their um, show of force and their resolve, and they all sacrificed for it. And look at what it got them. Isn't the leader of that still in jail in Canada? I think she got rearrested Probably, again. I yeah, following it. I stopped hey. following it because when they went after when they went after shop owners that were just feeding those guys. Exactly. Guys, Holy. I, I I I said thank God. Still, with all our problems, thank God I'm an American. You know, well, yeah, except the American drivers pulled off another pretty damn good effort. It went on for months and accomplished exactly zero. And in the end, the whole thing fell apart and everybody's accusing everybody else of stealing money. And it's a disaster. But. And every time these things would go on, I would say, here's all the things that are wrong. Here's all the things that could go wrong. This time I was saying, they got it right. 
They're actually doing it. They got I, hell. I took off to join them. Remember, I, I chased them across the country yeah, so I could ride with them for a day. I was impressed. And yeah. what did it get us? Nothing. It, I, I didn't Zero. even expect right. this kind of stuff. Not once did I predict, oh, the outcome of this, people are going to end up in jail. I, I never predicted that. I didn't see this coming. But hell, if, if, if they right. didn't accomplish anything with that last effort, then clearly this isn't the way to fix things. No, no, of course not. Um, you know, I think everyone out there needs to fix their own situation, um, sell themselves the best they can, and and buckle down like you've been telling everyone. Now, I'll give you some real-world real world, uh, data here. Um, the lane I'd been running a month and a half ago was in the threes per mile going up out of Houston. Um, the last couple weeks, uh, August or so, has been slowly dipping into the high twos. Now they're in the mid to low twos. That's a big um, drop. Talk to a gentleman. That's a big drop. And this is flatbed freight. And it's you know basically the area I run in up there. So I know the market. I've been doing it for a while there. And uh, I talked to a broker and I said, listen, I said, you know, any way you can come up in the rate, get a little close where you want to be. I said, I'd like to get as close as I can to $3 a mile. You let me know what you can do for me. And we, we negotiated. I got better, better than two and a half, which I'm, I'm happy because he was in the two thirties. Yeah. He was two thirty. So I got, I got almost two sixty a mile. So I, he came up quite a bit for me. And you know, he, I had a relationship with their company, not with this particular broker, but he can see my, I guess my stats when he, right. when he ran yeah. my MC. So, and he said, listen, I really can't go any higher because I have a handful of these loads and that, and they kind of beat me up on the rate because I wanted the handful of loads. I said, listen, I'm, I'm happy with that. I said, thank you. Good. You know, um, yeah. but now, let, let uh, me ask you, know, you something. So, I mean, but it, I have freight, it, it, I have freight up there. Uh, I have, yeah, go ahead. In this guy's quote, he said, rates have fallen back to where they were in the eighties. If I could have gotten two dollars and sixty oh cents God. a mile in the eighties, my God, I would have retired. I'm going to give people that don't understand what happened after deregulation a little bit of, of real world education because I was around then. I was a kid, but I was around then. Um, Midwest Emory went to a dollar a mile freight. Yeah, a dollar a mile freight. It, it, I mean, it, it, it was, and that was. If you that were leasing your truck to a carrier, the rates were in the 80 cents a mile. Yes, I was making 92 cents a mile in 191990. Yeah, right. And that um, was that was about the norm. Right, that was about the norm. Yeah. Yeah. So if these people think um, that these know, the are these are the worst better. rates ever, they are horribly mistaken. Oh we are not even close to oh the bottom. Boy. You know, it's like the mortgage rates we talk about. I remember my father having a, a 14 and a half percent mortgage. Oh, oh, God, that is just insanity. You know, 70s, end of the se he, late 70s, early 80s. I, I should go calculate this because uh, we did hit 15 percent mortgages. <laughs> when mortgage rates are yeah. around five or six percent. This is a number that just kind of sticks right. in my head. I used to work on it quite a bit. A 6% mortgage, you'll pay three times the cost of your house. 
You buy a three hundred thousand dollar house on a six percent mortgage, and I'm pretty sure you're going to pay about eight or nine hundred thousand back. I can't imagine what it is at fifteen percent. I should go calculate it though. Yeah, in in between my 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 trucking um, job, I had a few careers, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was a mortgage broker actually ah, for about a year it. and a half. Okay. And and it, this is when you can get. Uh, a, a dog, a mortgage. If you had the right name, and <laughs> yeah, that's the right, right. Numbers. Now, like you know, they they were you know this is back uh, before the housing bubble. This is in the in the early two thousands, and um, I uh, six and a half was a great mortgage then. I remember it vividly because I was selling them. I, if I went over six and a half, I got back end points, and I think they revamped the whole system after the after the the mortgages. You know, so, I went back in. I went back into the trucking business right right at the at the worst time when the housing bubble collapsed. So I and that year, go ahead. That, go ahead. that year, I went out with my own numbers. That year, I had to rebuild my cat, which was still expensive, but I did it myself with a friend. Yeah, it cost me twelve grand, and I had no work. I had no work. Um, it was a 346B motor, yep. but anyway, um, you know, uh, we, we, you have to persevere and, and if you're going to be in business, you can't predict tomorrow. Now we have more indicators. I have, you know, you on, you know, we have a lot more resources. The, the people now listening have a lot more resources than I had in 08. Yeah. I wasn't really in, in the whole, in the whole news and everything else, but right now, as it sits, I just bought a chemical tank. I just laid out money and bought a chemical tank to try that. And what I think is going to be a pretty rocky economy coming up in the next year and a half. I, I, yeah. I got a really good deal on it. I got a really good deal on it. I can sell it for 20000 over what I'm paying for it. Um, I, you know, tomorrow, if I bought it, if I got it today, I could turn around and sell it. So I'm, I'm not underwater. I'm paying cash for it. So I have, so I have no, no expense on it except for what I use it for. And, you know, I mean, that this is what we do. I think yeah. there's opportunities yeah. still out there, even yeah. in this economy. Absolutely. It's going to be a rough time. There will be opportunities. I, I just ran some numbers because I got curious about this because I remember those 15% mortgages. Uh, if you, I, I just... Yeah through some numbers in here. If you were borrowing $320,000, and I just left that in there. That was what was in here when I opened the calculator. That's a reasonable amount today to pay for a house. In fact, in the last couple of years, it's tough to find something at that price. Um, Here's here's, you're up in New York and New Jersey, double that. Here's what you pay back on a 15% mortgage. You borrowed $320,000 to buy a home. You will pay back almost $1.6 million. Wow. Isn't that insane? $1.6 million is what your $320,000 house is really going to cost you. Yep. Yep. I have another another good real-world data. Now, I drive an old... An older model, conventional, classic Peterbilt. Uh, people who are on the tribe see my picture in the in the uh, on the on the tribe. That's my truck. Yeah. Um, I actually helped out a friend trying a little bit of a deal he has down here in Texas, and I, I pulled the van trailer Monday and Tuesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and 
I just filled up this morning, and I'm, I've been bouncing in the high sixes with this truck on my flatbed freight. Okay. Um, sometimes low sevens. I just filled up this morning. I, uh, my, my, my tank, my tank full was 7.7 miles to the gallon. Wow. I'm astonished. Yeah. I drove 58 miles an hour. With there that you go. Van. There it we go. 700 mile yeah. turn. You know, it's 350 out, 350 back. It was the you know, night before last when I talked to you yesterday. And, yeah. uh, it, you know, it, 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 you know, but, uh, it was, uh, I mean, so it can be done out there, folks. You just got to, you know. You know what? I, I always say. Drive, drive th- sanely. No matter how bad things get, somebody has to move the freight. It has to get moved. Because it's not an option not to move it. So no matter how bad things get, somebody's still going to move the freight, and you will have to make money doing it. This whole post this morning, you're operating right. for free. No, you're not. That's a stupid statement to make. It's ignorant. It shows me you know nothing so, about numbers so and accounting, and, and uh, rates are going to go down. There's no doubt about it, but somebody's still going to make money doing it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again. My, that, that van freight I did, now, it was loaded out, empty back, just because I didn't have time to get a reload. But that paid me $2 a round-trip mile, and I made money. round-trip, and half of it okay, wasn't even so paid, exactly. Trip. Yeah. There's right. still so good that, freight you know, that, out that, there. That, that, you know, we, we, I'm saying, so, I mean, this is, I can make money at $2 a mile is what I'm saying with a classic, old classic absolutely. truck that has a 60 yeah. Series Detroit in it. And, and, so and, $2 a mile, you can still make money out here, folks, if you're smart enough to well, get your I'm, numbers under control. I'm really going to make the statement that if you're afraid of $2 a mile and you think this is bad, you might as well just quit now. Because it's going to get worse. Kevin, I, made a, I, I met a young man in Delaware, I think it was the beginning of the year, said that he can't run for under $3.50. Oh, 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 geez. You know, I said, he I, said if, you know, do you think I have a couple of years? I said, son, I, hell I hope no. you have six months. Hell no. And honestly, I would have I said, just sell now. Sell now. Don't wait till the bottom. If, if, yeah, said, don't don't wait till the bottom. You're not going to survive the bottom with your attitude and your current operation. You're not going to make it. Sell now while you can still make a profit. Kevin, he was only in business for four and a half months when he told me that. Oh, yeah. Well, he's toast. You know, I, I read an article. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I know. Scrolling headlines, I see this company, trucking companies going out of business. And my first thought was, you know, yep. they're a victim of the economy. But I, I want. I had time, so I'm reading the story itself. It's actually a really good story. Uh, family company, been around since like the 40s or something. Made it through deregulation, still around. Um, Decent-sized company, a couple hundred trucks, uh, all family-run. And turns out they weren't getting out of the business because of the economy at all. They, they're doing fantastic. They just don't have anybody else to run the company. They had four kids, and none of them want to be in trucking. It's like the third generation in the business already and the fourth generation, none of their kids want to be in trucking and they're ready to retire. So they just, they're just closing the company up. Now I'm shocked that they didn't sell it. I'm really shocked that they didn't sell it. Maybe there, there will be something in there, but they were basically, the story was we're, you know, 
there will be some office employees here till everything's closed out. And I'm sure they're selling it in, in maybe piecemeal or whatever. But it was actually a good story. Great right. family run company and just nobody that wants to continue the family tradition in trucking. Yeah, you know, that's what happens sometimes. You know, you do well. Your kids go to school. They become professionals in some manner. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you struggle and you strive to get through this and, and you make something of it. And, you know, your kids are, you know, they're in the six figures, maybe mid six figures. And, you know, they don't it's kind of a pay cut with all kinds of aggravation. <laughs> you know what it's like having, you know, having drivers. It's like herding cats. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting so, so, time, uh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, when I wrote the check for the trailer, I looked at my checking account saying, uh, you know, okay. But <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. You know, that that's a good thing, though. When you can buy something for cash, you know, here's the interesting thing. It's just human nature. I can remember when I was young and stupid and bought everything on credit. Because I wanted something now. You know, I'm doing better. I can afford a new car payment. Doesn't necessarily mean I can afford a new car. Um, but I made all those same mistakes. And it's funny how right. when it was credit to buy a big ticket item, let's, let's say a car. Um, when it was credit, it was so damn easy. I didn't even think twice. Oh, hell yeah, I'll sign that. When it's cash... I look at it and go, I really Kevin, don't need that car. <laughs> Kevin, on the mi- on the micro level, that's why they have they make it so much easier to pay with a credit card or debit card. Yeah. Because you're not seeing physical cash in your hand. It, it matters. On the micro level. You go to the store yeah, and, it matters. And, you, and you tap that I'm I'm tapping my, my debit card at the flying J for my coffee. Yeah. That, that's fine. I mean I'm just saying, but you tap your card and it's like it's like a, it's like a, oh. it's like a, a no nonsense transaction and it just it, progresses to here's grocery a, stores or shopping or whatever. Here's another one that they just made it so damn easy. I have always spent my whole life spent a lot of money on books. It, it's one of my things. I've I, right. I, and books can be fairly expensive if you read a lot of them. Amazon has made it so damn easy to buy books. You don't even think about it. I get a book recommendation. You tap, you tap, I, you tap. Yeah, I know. I'm reading a book, and in the book, they mention another book. All I have to do is click on the title of the book. It takes me right to the store. One more click, and I just bought that book. I do it all the time. That's why I have 30 right. books on my Kindle that I haven't read yes. yet. I, I do that with Amazon on other things. My wife wants something this way. I see that. Yeah, it's um, okay. It, it, clearly, retailers have figured out ways that, that we don't think about the money we spend the way we should. And, and the example is, like I said, now that I actually have cash, um, and when I think about buying something, well, many, many times I look at it and go, I'd rather have the cash. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not 100% debt free. And there's a few reasons for that. Because of the upcoming economy, I want it to be a little more fluid with yeah. with with capital. That's not a bad um, plan. Number one. Number two is that my my trailer that I own, my flatbed that I own, is a 2021 Fontaine. I made I made a deal with a fixed, you know, a fixed not not a not an APR or a revolving right. credit line. It was 
I buy it for this much. You're going to get this much in the payment. We're going to pay it out for three years, and it's and it's done. And you, you know, know what I mean? you're so paying. If right. I paid it off early, I'm not I'm not I'm not saving anything. So it's only a seven hundred and twenty six dollar a month payment. It really was, you know. So I'm okay with that. And that's really the only bills I have, except for what I create when I'm running. You know, right. my insurance, of course, is is another bill. You know, and and again, I've been doing this so long. My insurance is is just over ten thousand dollars a year. That's, that's cargo and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'm I worked hard to do it, and you know, there. I, I think about that two dollar mile freight job, maybe buying a truck like Joel's, putting a driver in it. But do I really want that aggravation <laughs> for what's coming? I don't know. I know. I know. It's a, it's a tough time. It's not a bad idea to just sit back and watch for a while. That's what I'm going to try to do. But you know how that goes. You start seeing seeing opportunities and you want to jump in on. I, I you know, it's it's the way I've been built all the time. You know, I'm like you. I I, I got out of the Navy in uh, in nine, in eighty end of eighty nine and. I worked for a friend for four months, couldn't handle that, went out and bought a 1968 KW. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah, and very very similar start. Yep, very similar start. <laughs> I bought a 19... I had about $3 in my pocket. <laughs> I bought a 1973 white day cab and had no money in my pocket. I had to borrow the $400 for the plane ticket down to pick up the truck. I bought my truck, my first truck I bought off of Shelby Elliott. Remember him? No, I don't. He was out in uh, Skilson, Missouri. He had all the the super large cars. The, the, oh, the okay. The V8 okay. Right, right. And the KTAs. The, right. And I, I, I almost, I, I just had no credit. And I had, I was, I drove this 80 model extended, a model extended hood Kenworth with a six and a four and a K and a K motor. And it was like $29,000 and he couldn't finance me because I had no credit at all. Oh, wow. so I wound up buying that, that I bought that, I bought a 1968, um, uh, a model Kenworth with a 335 Cummins and a, and a, and an 090, uh, 95 Three thirty-five in nineteen sixty-eight was a monster <laughs> engine. Oh, it was a beast! That yeah. was a it monster. Was a, I was running. I was running twenty-four hundred RPM to make sixty-five <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> oh man! I I bought my my white road boss. Uh, from Roadway. I drove one of those. It, it was from Roadway. I it was a tag axle. Yep. That truck was a tag axle. It was a okay. six by yep. two. And it was a weird setup. Yep. It had a tag axle on the back. And on the front yeah, axle, the yeah. there was an airbag between the front axle and the frame. So I could inflate that airbag. And if you were bobtailing, you could actually see the back wheels would come off the ground. The back axle didn't move at all. You were pushing the frame up right, on right. the front axle, and it lifted the back off the ground. If you put even an empty trailer on it, the wheels wouldn't come off the ground. More of the weight was on the drive right. axle. And then when you hit high range, that bag would deflate on its own. And that was your one traction of the trucks, device. One of the trucks I learned... Yeah, one of the trucks I learned how to drive on was a 1962 Brockway with a four by four spicer my uncle owned with a two sixty two Cummins and that had a that had a rear tag also. It yeah, didn't lift. It was, it was just a tag axle because 
know. There were some yeah. pretty weird combinations back then. Roadway had a setup where they would take a single axle tractor and they designed the frame so that the converter dolly that you used for doubles, you would back into right. that and that would attach to the frame and become your tag axle. Wow. They would turn That's a single axle into a tandem axle with their dolly. Wow. Yeah, it was it'd a, have to be really close because you'd have to have, you know, the travel it, between the fifth wheel uh, right. the fifth it, wheel and the and the and Yeah, the it was dolly. A, it was a pretty weird setup, but but they they ran a setup like that for quite a while. Yeah, the good old days, right, Kevin? Oh. Armstrong <laughs> steering Heat, I, heat in the summer and air conditioning I, in the winter. That that truck had two <laughs> gauges. Two. It had a speedometer and an air gauge. That was it. That was it. Listen, I thought I was a roadman when I was a kid at 15 years old. I would take a white 9000 out of New Jersey up to Boston. Oh, man, that was and exciting. It was a drop and hook operation. That was exciting. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh yeah! I was I was I was a road man. I was running. I was. You know. <laughs> there you go. I, I started off. Oh I started my. off this morning saying I was feeling kind of nostalgic. Yeah, you, you had said that, and you know, I, you know, I, I talked to a good friend of mine, kind of a mentor in this business, and he's been doing it fifty some odd years, and. And uh, he says, yeah, I don't know if the good old days are all that good thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they definitely had their challenges. There is no doubt about it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I drove one of these new Cascadias, Kevin. They're like driving a camper. Oh, they really are. It's beautiful. Uh, the beautiful ride, the, the noise yeah. levels or the lack of noise levels, the, it, just everything about yeah. them. They're, they're luxury you know we we there were some tough yeah. times back then those were those were real trucks you know yeah what, i it, for, yeah I, when i was doing my engine swap when i was doing the engine swap in this truck i was i was leased to a tank outfit and they got they were just hammered with 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 freight he called me up he listen i got a truck sitting here in the yard he says I'll rent it to you for 300 bucks a week. Come back to work, please. I'm like, okay. And I drove this Cascadia for a month, and I took a week off here and took a week off there. So for two months, I was driving this Cascadia. And, you know, it was it governed a 65. It was a 10-speed direct. And oh, yeah. It was a truck. You know, it's, but I made right. money. You know, I yeah. made money. No, I, I, you know, a little more nostalgia. I can remember driving in a full snowmobile suit, hat, gloves, and boots because it was the only way you could stay warm. Oh, I remember looking like a cardboard box going down the road. <laughs> it was the only way you could I stay warm. Joliet, I was in Joliet, Illinois with a 1970 Peterbilt, and we were running a little kerosene in the fuel. And it was thirty below with the wind chill. Yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you right now, I had I had frost on the inside of that glass. I was just gonna truck. I was just gonna mention that I could remember a time where I had to scrape the inside of the windows. <laughs> <laughs> and then when those air wipers wouldn't work. Oh, oh, I oh, I remember, I remember one night at uh, story Folks, time. Um, I was yeah, doing folks. You have no idea what you missed. <laughs> I was doing local air air wipers. I forgot about those. I was doing local P and work, so you know a typical day might be ten or twelve hours, but sixteen hour days were not right. out of the question. 
I could come in early and do a oh, trailer spot. Day. Yeah, I could come in early and do a trailer spot, then go do my normal run. Then at the end of the day, there might be something yep. that didn't get covered. And this was one of those. I was the last driver in at like yep. eight o'clock at night. I'd already been working probably 14 hours. And they had a call from one of our good customers is way over on the east side of Cleveland. And he said, we have to pick this up. You have to go. I'm like, all right, I'll go. So I get out there. It is just pouring rain. It's dark. I got to back into this. I almost took a trailer door off trying to get back into this dock. Uh, and then I come out and my air windshield wipers won't work. And it is just pouring. Oh. And all I want to do is get home. Yep. You know, it's just been one of those days. So it was tie rope around both sides of the wiper and run it through the two wing windows <laughs> and take my hand and move oh, the yeah. rope back and forth to try to clear the window Boy. while I was driving. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. my uncle my uncle had a B-model Mac, and he swore by Rain-X. Oh, right. He Absolutely. Absolutely. He to, yep. He used to wipe Rain-X on that truck almost when, every week. When I, when I uh, moved my operation to Florida... That became an absolute. I there was Rain-X on those windows every week, and even in Florida with the monsoons, you get down there, you could drive without turning your windshield wipers on at all. Yep. If you yep. kept yeah, it Rain-X fresh, was a you, great yeah. product back then. When you had when you had to rub it on with a rag, that was a great product. Oh yeah, and it was a lot of work. Rub on, rub off. I felt like the Karate oh, yeah. Kid. exactly hey wait you don't watch those movies i know i know but i've heard about it (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah yeah the good old days i remember going with that broccoli with my uncle i was 13 years old and let me drive at night yeah going down to louisiana with tugboat chains there you go that's experience Uh, yeah the good that's right yeah yeah all right. Fun. Good talking to you, Fred. <laughs> I'm going to cut you loose. We're going to move on, and uh, I'll let you know I'm taking my last call right now. If you've got something and you want to jump in, dial, and uh, I'll stay. We're going to head off to Illinois. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. So I have a question about the app on this particular day, Thursdays. When you look into the show's, the only thing that shows up for Thursdays is rolling toe. When I'm out in California and your show's at 8 a.m., I'm I'm not up generally or, or I'm outside. And I try to find it and I can't find it. And I try to find it the last time I was out there and it just didn't show up in the episodes. So that's my question. How do Th- I find Thursday's show, this show? Thursdays specifically aren't showing up? Well, not as a show as so you can find Rolling Toe on Thursday, but you can't find this particular hour before Rolling Toe on into the show's app. Now, are you? Unless I'm just not seeing it. Are you logged in or not? Well, I just use the app, and I also no, I, have. Um, well, there's two ways uh, to use the app. Thing. Yeah, there's two ways to use the app. Forget about Mighty Networks right now. We're talking about the Let's Truck app. There's two ways to use it. Right. You can yes. not log in, and then 
you can still listen to all the shows, but if you were to go to your tab that says my library, where you can follow shows, right. it, it would be blank because you have to have an account so it knows who you are to load that for you. So, that, But you can use it either way, logged right. in or not logged in. I don't think that has anything to do with the problem you're having right now. I was just asking um, what, what should happen if you're looking at your list of shows? The way to refresh that list is just to pull down. You pull down and the list will refresh. And maybe that's what's happening. You're just not refreshing. I see. Okay. I can try that. Yeah. And And then the other thing you were... If you're having troubles with the app, I don't even stay up with the app, honestly. I, I just got a lot going on, but the team does. So you could always call TribeCare. They'll walk you right right through getting it fixed. Okay. I thought I'd ask though too. Um, The other day you were talking on the power hour about batteries and uh, I was, I theorized a lot of things. Uh, So I have a Ryobi uh, battery power lawnmower with a 40 volt uh, original battery. And then I bought another 40 volt battery because they have the the place where you plug it in and then they have another spot where you put the other uh, spare batteries. So when you run out of battery, you just simply take that out and move that one over and put the other one there. Okay. Well, what I discovered is, which is why I'm calling, you were talking about heat as well as cold for the batteries. So to be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, can't think of the word. So I'm bringing both batteries with me when I'm mowing the lawn. But okay. uh, that heat from the first battery after seems to take away from the other battery sitting beside it. So the other day, I, I just put the one battery in after I ran it out, drove my, or pushed my lawnmower over to where the other battery was and put that in. It seemed like it lasted longer. And now with these new 40-volt uh, uh, Ryobi batteries, they now come with a new kind of charger with a fan because those get pretty hot after being in the lawnmower, and then they won't charge until that's cooled enough for the sensor to come on. So it was just a, it's a theory, and it seems to be holding true. Yeah, I, I think temperature extremes in either way affect battery performance. I think cold is worse for them, but excessive heat is also a problem for batteries, no doubt. Yeah, so... That's all I had, and uh, all right. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. That's all I need. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Nebraska. Brad, welcome to the program. Yeah, good afternoon. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? I have a quandary. Okay. Oh, I have a quandary. Doing a dedicated route, uh, running about $1.80 a mile, well, for all miles. Okay. Uh, it is light freight, uh, 99 Mac. Uh, averaging between seven and a half to eight miles per gallon. Good. Because I have an e- I don't have an EOD, so I can I can drive slow and log fast. There you go. <laughs> Tons of stuff. And what I was I do have an opportunity to join a company that does uh, they help out on state and government road projects and haul stuff for the railroads. The freight that I'm currently hauling is uh, cargo trailers. And I'm just kind of looking at the economy, and I'm wondering if the sales of cargo trailers are going to go, you know, go silent before 
you know, government contracted stuff or Ooh, this is I would a, probably th- have to buy a different truck to go with the, with the flatbed. This is a quandary. I, because you're right, trailers, sales of just about everything are going to go down unless it's an absolute necessity. Like food never really, you know, has a recession. We all have to eat. We all eat about the same amount. We might cut back on high-end items, but for the most part, groceries aren't changing much no matter how bad the economy gets. But stuff that's not a necessity. Um, a trailer is almost never a necessity, and I could buy a used one if I really need to, or I can just keep the one I already have. So those are things that will get hit a little harder in a recession. So that makes it seem like, yeah, maybe it's time to switch. But I would also say that when we are facing the unknown, and we know it's a downturn, but we don't know much else about it, I tend to get very conservative. I'd rather stick with what I know than try to experiment with something I don't know. Now I'm throwing in a whole bunch more unknowns. The, the downturn's already a big unknown. How bad's it going to be? How deep's it going to go? How long's it going to last? Lots of unknowns. Uh, the last thing I want to do is add a bunch of other unknowns. So I, I think that, yeah, there's a chance trailer sales are going to slow down. Um, will they slow down enough that you would lose this contract? I don't know. We, and nobody knows. But I, the only way I can answer a question like this is not necessarily what's best, because we don't know what's best. There's too many things we can't predict. I tend to answer questions like this, mm-hmm. what would I do? And I have to believe in your situation right now, I'd stick with the known that I already have. Okay. That's they kind of leaning that way, but... Now, you always yeah, uh, like I, to hear an outside opinion. I, I tend to get more aggressive in good times because if I make a big mistake in a good time, I can recover from it. I know I can. I'm confident that I can. If times are good, I can make a huge mistake. And if I have to, I'll go work 20 hours a day to make up for it. When times are bad, if I make a big mistake, I may not recover from it. There, there may not be an opportunity for me to go work 20 hours to make up for it. So I get aggressive when times are good. That's when I'll take my chances. When times are bad and, and especially at the beginning of the bad time when we really can't see the future much right now, that's when I tend to get conservative. Let, let's stick with what we've got. Yeah. Okay. Now, there yeah, may be, there may be a, a time... Three months from now, six months from now, you may call me back with the exact same question. And we may look at it and go, uh, you know what? It might be time. Or we might not. Or we might say, no, things are just getting really ugly out there. Stick with what you've got. Oh, yeah, I think that's about six months off. So, yeah, I have to believe yeah, it gets, that it gets, I, it's really ugly. I, I hope I have to believe and I hope at some point our government stops spending so much damn money. And I know this, this was a government contract railroad kind of thing. Railroad will slow down when, when the economy slows down. Government is a big wild card. Government does its own thing. I mean, we, we, have, we know we're coming into a recession. We're in a recession. And we have a government that thinks the way out of that recession is to keep spending money. At some point, that <laughs> will collapse. Oh, yeah. Well, then, 
Yeah, and when that collapses, then everything collapses, and we're back to square one looking at each other. And then at that point, you know, I'd rather be doing what I know. True. Yeah, the truck's paid for. There you go. Yeah, you're in a good position. You've got an older truck that we know you don't have emission issues to worry about we know when they're it's time to rebuild them we know what that costs it's not a big complicated thing you don't have a one box to worry about you're getting good fuel economy hell that that truck that you have right now i used to brag about those trucks all the time those late 90s early 2000 max before the emissions were some of the best engines on the market for fuel economy Yeah, because they don't have a lot of power. <laughs> they they don't. They were a little <laughs> underpowered. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, but they got great fuel economy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and for my situation with the light freight, I don't care. Exactly. I, Another I good point, down, right? that this is light freight, which is easy on your expenses. Your maintenance cost goes down. Your fuel it, cost goes down. You, you're, you've set up a really good scenario here, and I think I would stick with it until there was a real sign that it, it might collapse. Okay. Uh, oh, and if you were you're talking about nostalgia, about, you know, I remember one of my first jobs, I had an international 8100 with a, it was a single axle running hot shot freight and picking up a load of air conditioners down in Clarksville, Tennessee to take to Chicago to some construction site in the dead of winter. It went from freezing rain to just ice. Oof. And I'm running up 57. And the mean, and there's, it was rough. I was only going about 35. The road was rough, but it wasn't, wasn't slick. And the state patrol pulled me over. And he said, you know, this interstate's closed. I said, I didn't. I said, I'm just trying to get through this. He goes, he said, he said, where are you from? I said, Nebraska. Oh, hell, you got this. Just keep going. <laughs> I said, what if I just said another state? Oh, if you just said Florida, and I'd have told you to pull over. To pull over. Exit. There you go. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Brad, thanks for the call. Let's head off to... Uh, Minnesota. John, welcome to the program. Oh, let me try that again. John, previous, there you are. Just call, just call, just calling that previous gal up with the uh, show, trying to find it. Yeah. Um, on the app, if you're on the home screen, down on the bottom, the microphone with says discovery. Click on that. And this show is the same as Monday's show. It's Trucking Business and Beyond. Good point. They are both listed in there by the date. Yeah, Aaron just sent me that message, too, that maybe that's what's confusing, or Monday and Thursday shows up in the same place. Right. Uh, That's what I was just calling to clarify with her and get the information out there. But the app is great. I absolutely love it. And... uh, Keep going. Excellent. Thank Thank you you. very much. Have a nice day. You're welcome. Thanks for the feedback. Let's head off to Iowa. Brad, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I had a question about fuel taxes. I work for a small trucking company in southeast Iowa. Uh, We are domiciled in Iowa, but we do most of our traveling in the state of Illinois. So when you have to taxes come due, the bulk of our miles are in Illinois. We'll be you better off buying our fuel in Illinois? Uh, I don't know. 
It, it could change every day. Okay. It could change from morning till afternoon. Okay. There's a formula, and I can tell you the formula so you know when you should buy where, but I can't tell you when and where to buy fuel because it changes every minute. Okay. And here's what it's based on. It's based okay. on two factors. The, the pump price today, right now when we're going to buy it, and that's what changes all the time, and then the fuel tax in each state. So here's what you do. Um, you And there's a list out there. Uh, we used to have a link to it on our website, and I think it got lost in the shuffle somewhere. We need to get it back. But there's a list out there that gives you daily, you can go check the prices at the pump, but you can also just look at the stops you're going to fuel at. That's even a better way. And then you, if you're looking at the pump price, did you say it was Iowa? Is that what you said? Iowa? And- uh, yes. And actually I forgot, I did forget to mention that we have a, we buy bulk. So we have a bulk tank here at our terminal. So it doesn't, that made a difference or doesn't not. change the equation. So you you're just treat that okay. bulk fuel like it's at a truck stop, and we do the same calculation. Here's the calculation. You look at okay. Iowa, and you say, okay, the pump price, and, and I'm going to use random numbers here. I'm not going to go look up the fuel tax rates because you'll understand the concept from this. You look at the pump price in Iowa, okay. and it's $5 a gallon at the pump. And Iowa... This is not true. I'm just making up this number. Iowa's fuel tax is 30 cents a gallon. Okay. So what that tells us is we're really paying $4.70 for the fuel itself. We don't care what we pay for the tax. The tax is meaningless other than the fact we have to get it out of the price so that we're comparing fuel price to fuel price. There's a longer explanation mm-hmm. of why this works, but every time I try to explain it on the air, people get confused. Um, I have a course on this, I know by the you way. Had a course or something. There, there yep. still is a course, and if you want to go take the course, you would absolutely understand this. Um, and okay, oh, it looks like we still have that link. So you know what? I'm going to take the time to go get the link from our website, and I'm going to go look up the real prices, and we'll do the math today. And okay. all right, so let me see. Where did they say it was? It's under solutions. Wait a minute. Under solutions, where? We don't have solutions on our website. I tried to find the course because I was going to take it myself, but I have oh, there it trying is. to find it. But I, I, I mean, I have to go to gauges. It looked for hours, but. Yeah, it, it, you know, again, we get so much stuff going on on our website that, um, Sometimes it's just hard to find everything. Got to keep track of everything, yeah. Yeah, you know, the more stuff we put, the harder it is to to design navigation so we can get to it all. Um, But I, now that I know it's there, I want to go find it because I look for it all the time. I do have one other thing. Like when when you do file your IFTA taxes, I know don't you get kind of a credit. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's the longer explanation of why this works because okay. you, oh, I found it now. You actually have to be logged into fuel gauges to find this now. Um, oh, okay. Oh, and they changed the way they, oh, let me try this. See if it's here. The company we work with changed the way they display everything. And 
I'm clicking on it right now and the prices aren't coming up. I'm just seeing a blank screen. So I'll go back to my example of just using random numbers. So pump price in Iowa Mm -hmm. is $5 a gallon, tax is 30 cents. That means ignore the tax. We're paying $4.70 for our fuel alone. Then we go look at Illinois Mm -hmm. and it turns out that in Illinois, the pump price says $5 and 10 cents a gallon. Hell, why would we pay 10 cents more? That's stupid. No, it's not because Illinois Mm -hmm. happens to have a 50 cent fuel tax. So now we're paying $4 and 60 cents for the fuel, actually 10 cents less, not 10 cents more. You have to take out the fuel tax in each state before you can compare fuel prices. Gotcha. And with two states, it's super easy. Um, You know, when you're running 48 states, you got to think, okay, where am I going to be when I need fuel and which state? Two states, it's easy. Every time you need fuel, you just mm -hmm. open up, you look at the two states, you know what the fuel tax is. It hardly ever changes. And you just buy in whichever state it's cheaper after you do the math. Okay. Now we do all upper Midwest, but when we do our, we do file the IFTA taxes, uh, the bulk of our miles are in the state of Illinois. So that's why I didn't know if it'd be. Doesn't matter. We go one way or the other, but Doesn't that matter. does make sense. Now that you told me that does make sense. Right. Yeah. Where you drive doesn't matter. Well, it does. That's where you're going to calculate your fuel tax from. But the chance for savings comes in in where you buy your fuel. Okay. Well, I'll try to find that uh, that course again. Like I said, I looked for it here the other day and I didn't find it, but I will it, do some more. Do I have to be logged into fuel gauges? To no, see the you course, do not. Or is here's, it on university? Yeah, here's the easiest way to find it. Go directly to learn.letstruck.com. That takes you right to Let's Truck University, and then you'll see it in there. All right. I'll go check it out. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. I think that's going to do it today. We are out of questions. Just about two hours today. Great calls. Thanks, everybody. And, uh, oh, you know what? Did I get an update on Rolling Toe yet? Rolling Toe is a go for 1 p.m. Yeah, Angie told me that a long time ago. I missed it. Uh, 1 p.m. Uh, so what time is it now? It's 10. 12. Oh, it's coming up. Coming up here in six minutes then. All right. So I will wrap this up. We will restart the show and the phone system, and uh, we'll be back in just about six minutes or so with Rolling Toe with Mike and Kevin Beckett. Line up your calls for them. Remember, guys, this is a call-in talk show. Uh, All of our hosts can talk if we want. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can cover, but our, our, our main mission is to help you and answer your questions. You have to call in and ask them. So help them out. It's always hard in the beginning trying to get the calls going. Once they start coming in, they usually flood in. But uh, pick up the phone if you have a question about tires, alignment, wheel bearings, air pressure, all those things. Pick up the phone and call them here in just a couple minutes. Uh, We'll also see you back here tomorrow. Um, Oh, John's a no-go. Joel said he might be in jail. Huh, wonder what that's all about. I'm sure we'll find out tomorrow. But it looks like it'll be Joel and I tomorrow for 
trucking technology and efficiency. So we will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.